Hello, my name is Nicole Moreno-Dinser, and welcome to Epifiana Presents Relate and Elevate. It's a podcast where Latinx and Latina entrepreneurs share their stories. We here at Epifiana believe there is no right way to be Latinx or Latina. So immerse yourself in our culture, and thank you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Relate and Elevate. And I have a very special guest here who I just found out is actually very close to me physically over here in the Bay Area. So can you please introduce yourself? Yes, of course. My name is Mercedes, and I'm the founder of Safe Squad mobile app, which is a social justice safety mobile application, and it's available on the App Store and Google Play. Yay, I'm so excited. And I really want to learn so much more. I follow you on Instagram and stuff, and I've seen things that your app can do, but I'm so excited to learn more. But before we learn more about what you're doing with your app, let's get to know you a little bit better first. So what is your favorite food? That is a great question. I mean, I have a lot of favorite foods, but being that I'm half Mexican, I would have to say tacos. I love tacos. What kind of tacos? (laughs) Ooh, that's, I don't know. My mom makes a lot of different types. I mean, I would have to say like carne asada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the tacos mm-hmm. that makes are so good yeah you're lucky <laughs> <that> you're <laughs> yes, I am lucky and she you know she sometimes even makes the tortillas from scratch so I'm very lucky mm, yes those are the best I like to make them too from scratch but I don't always do it but yes <laughs> what's your favorite color I would have to say teal teal it used to be pink at one point but now it's kind of gravitated towards different shades of blue which are actually the colors of the app yeah I like that color that's one of my brand colors too (laughs) (laughs) what's the most recent book you've read I would have to say more than enough by Elaine Welter Roth she was one of the former editors from Teen Vogue Mm. what's it about kind of her journey to self-discovery and empowerment and the experiences that she encountered being a woman of minority identity kind of in um, the world of journalism. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Well, thank you for sharing. Every time I ask someone this question, I'm like adding another book to my list. (laughs) (laughs) What's the last song you listened to? It was a song from Taylor Swift's new album, Evermore. I think it was called Invisible String. Yeah. When my daughters were way younger, I used to listen a lot more to Taylor Swift because of them. But <laughs> but yeah. If you can meet one person that are alive, who would that be? I would have to say someone who is alive currently. And I would say Delora Suerta. I love her. Seriously, I love her. <laughs> have quotes of her. Like her quotes are on my vision boards. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's very inspiring. My mom's actually had the opportunity to meet her because she worked on her son Emilio's campaign. He was running for office. So she's gotten to meet her, but I unfortunately have not had the opportunity to do so. So that would be someone I would most definitely love to meet. I heard her speak one time. I went to San Diego State and she went there as a speaker. And yeah, I heard her speak. We took a group picture. It wasn't just me and her, but it was a group picture. So (laughs) Um, yeah. If you were to meet her, what would you want say or do or hang out or go somewhere? Like what, what, what would you do? 
I mean, I, I would kind of want to ask about what advice she could impart to the next generation of aspiring Shikana leaders. Kind of ask, you know, during these times, how her work is transitioned or kind of like what goals she has for the future. I just think she's such an inspiring individual. And especially the fact that she was doing activism before these technological advances were present. You know what I mean? Like things have drastically transformed. So just seeing how she has changed her strategies nowadays, like with these advances and like what advice she would give to young people to remain persistent, especially in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah, because like being a social organizer like that is very much like being an entrepreneur where you have to consistently pivot. <laughs> like Absolutely. The, the consistent part is that there is no consistency. <laughs> the things are always changing, right? And yeah, that'd be really cool to sit down and talk to her about that. Just anytime I hear her talk, I feel like I get smarter because she says so many amazing things. It was so ahead of her time. I feel like the things which she said back then are now kind of societal trends or norms, if you will. But she was, you know, almost a pioneer in that. I think she doesn't get as much credit as, as she truth rightfully deserves. That's so true. You're right. Yeah. So let's pivot a little bit and talk about identity. So how do you self-identify? I consider myself Latina. So I'm half Mexican and half Caucasian. And I think for me, it was kind of a struggle with identity at first in my early years because I lived in a community which is predominantly Caucasian. And so I didn't really see myself represented. And my family kind of was one of the only biracial families. And so, you know, I really felt like I never would fit in with necessarily one demographic or the other. I never really felt truly Mexican and I never felt truly white. So I was kind of in this almost in-between phase. Like I would get called by my classmates, you know, like a swirl because I was, a, you know, a mixture of both. And I think that early on, I really didn't understand or really want to see color. I kind of was very naive in the sense that I just saw my classmates. They didn't really perceive them as different than myself. And it wasn't really until I got older that I understood sort of the disparaging treatment which I faced and that it wasn't in fact okay or, or that my experience wasn't normal per se. So what does the term cultural identity mean to you? You know, I, I think cultural identity to me has to do with appreciation and a developed understanding as to your roots and your origin and how you identify. I think, you know, depending on that, because I think there's some people, what I've come to the understanding is that why, while they may belong to a certain ethnic group, that doesn't mean that they actively celebrate it or belong to a sort of community in, in that sense. I think for myself, it's another thing to just passively say I'm Latina, but I feel like I want to embody what that means and accurately represent my community in that regard. So at what point in your life did you feel that you were Latina? Because it's interesting what you say is that you also want to embody that. And I completely understand what you're saying because all of these labels, I mean, to me, yeah, they're just they're labels, but I really want to give space for people to self-identify. And a lot of the times we use other people's labels on ourselves and we internalize that. But then mm -hmm. once we see or we realize like, wait a minute, I could decide. <laughs> I decide who I am, right? But I feel like most of us grow up with 
others around us deciding who we are? I think for me, I never really understood that I could choose. I felt like it just kind of, I was both. I never thought that I could kind of say that I identify with more one than the other. But as I became older and had more experience, I um, kind of just wanted to explore my culture and my identity more. And I started realizing that there were certain things that I wasn't aware of. I never really truly felt Latina enough. I felt like that there were certain things and experiences that I missed out on. And so um, at university as I am, I've taken uh, Latinx studies courses, in particular Latinx lives and Latinx media. And so I think by taking those courses, I've had more of an awareness and appreciation for my culture through that. And also I think in part, it was just disregarding societal expectations and I think of who people expected me to be and determining for myself, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, my own labels. One thing that was really hard for me to understand is I had experiences with discrimination from an early age and I think I really internalized those experiences and I didn't realize that I had light passing privilege. And I think that's something that's not commonly talked about in our community. And while I do identify as Latina, while I have had these incidents occur in which I felt marginalized or underrepresented, that in other instances, I've been privileged in a sense that it's allowed me to have more opportunities because of being mixed and that sort of thing. So I think part of my personal identity and acceptance is knowing that I am fortunate in the sense that I have had certain opportunities and that I think because of it, it's my goal to spread awareness and hold conversations and dialogue. And I think for me, when it comes to the app, the way that I see it is that, you know, I've earned a seat at the table and because I've earned a seat at the table that I'm going to hold the door open and ensure that other women, other Latinas who especially have been underrepresented feel that they can have their voice heard and that it's not rather just me speaking on behalf of other individuals, but kind of allowing them to also claim and take space in the way in which I have. That's so great. And that really is what sets apart a trailblazer to a like extending a hand or like come on with me hand hold it like because a lot of people say oh you're a trailblazer or, or not to me or to to anybody or to you you know whoever they say like well you're a trailblazer because you're creating a new path but I I understand what you're saying like I don't want to create a new path so that other people can just follow me it's like let's all go together kind of way Exactly. Because I feel like when one Latina succeeds, it's the community who is being able to be a part of this journey in that sense. And that other individuals should be able to come along too, and that it shouldn't necessarily be closed in that regard. Because I've had certain experiences where I think people almost kind of shut the door and said like, you know, that they were going to open doors theoretically, but not actually doing Mm -hmm. so in practice. So I think it's, it's something that within our communities something that should be happening and I think just having these conversations is so important definitely so thank you for being vulnerable enough to share (laughs) so you talked a little bit about your app can you please tell us what it is how did you come up with this like what's the problem that you're solving with your app So I had an unfortunate instance with safety from an early age and it was something that I really 
took time to reflect on for multiple years because I really wasn't sure what the appropriate response was or how to move forward. This was before there was a women's march, before there was a Me Too movement. And, you know, sexual assault wasn't something that was commonly talked about. It was kind of something, Mm -hmm. the societal norms happens, but don't verbalize it almost because it's like it's looked down upon and it's it's not appropriate to discuss and so yeah it's almost like taboo anybody who says it or hears it is like oh my god like germs or something or if I even hear it that that will happen to me but it's also the there's power in saying in saying it there's power in in sharing your story and there is power in in sharing so that it won't happen or that so that there's a possibilities or way more possibilities so that it won't continue to happen absolutely and for me like I didn't know what the solution is this happened to me at a very early age I was 12 years old and so a year later at the age of 13 Mm -hmm. I got the idea for an app and I was just looking on the market for my own personal use and I thought there was a lot of safety apps and and there are certainly, but they only really catered to one demographic. Mm. And I wanted an app that was, you know, mutually inclusive to everyone, regardless of gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, or socioeconomic status. And especially I noticed that there was always a cost associated, whether it was like in the initial download of the app itself or a reoccurring membership. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that wasn't sustainable because safety is a fundamental right and there really shouldn't be any cost or exclusion regarding that. Yes. So, but yes. hold on, say it again so people <laughs> really get it. Well, you know, I mean, safety, safety is, is a, a fundamental right and that there shouldn't be any cost or exclusion regarding that. I think yes. so many things these days claim to be about safety in theory but when it actually comes down to it they're just about making a profit and so for me I didn't want to charge anyone I didn't want to make a profit I really wanted to ensure that the next girl or guy out there didn't have to say me too like I did because you know frankly it's a club that no one should have to be a part of but aside from that I think that we live in a world that is rapidly changing we all inevitably hear about it or see it on the news especially you know in the midst of this pandemic and I think no matter what the instance safety is something that is of the utmost importance at this point in time So, you know, with that in mind, I started out with a legal pad and a Sharpie and jotted down my ideas. When I turned 18, I decided that, okay, this is no longer going to be an idea. I'm actually going to implement this and put this into action. So I started the creation process with no formal background in tech because I'm actually a political science major. I had a mentor kind of help guide me through the process and I had to learn various coding languages and It took a lot of time to not only start the process, but to finish the process and have it available on those platforms. Yeah, I mean, like starting a business, a project, an organization, whatever it is that you're doing takes a lot of time. But when you're starting from scratch, doing something where you have to use a language or a skill that you don't even know, then that takes extra time. But I really commend you for not seeing these as roadblocks or hurdles or doors that are shut, but just as opportunities for you to learn and to continue to do what you got to do and focus on your goal. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing that 
I see so many people starting businesses now in the midst of the pandemic. So many people, whether it's an app like myself or whether it's um, like an online store, whether it's a podcast, no matter what the sort of product or service is being offered, it just goes to show that if you do have an idea, that if you put in the work that you can see the product and the end result and it's worth it, of course, there are roadblocks along the way and it's a lengthy process. But if someone sets their mind to it, that it certainly is possible. And I think for me, one of the things that kind of prevented me um, from doing not just the app, but other things as well is age. I think that I was always mm-hmm. kind of viewed as, you know, as, as someone who was young and I am young, I'm 20. But I think beyond that, I'm having to prove my work a little bit extra. I like, have to go through additional measures to prove my work because of my age and in order to be taken seriously. For instance, today, I just, I was featured in Forbes, which is a huge, incredible thing. And even Oh now- my God, really? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> so amazing. Congratulations. It was so exciting. But, you know, even then, just thinking that some people are saying, oh, you know, she shouldn't really be on Forbes. She's this young or something like that. And I think it's just disregarding the naysayers and being able to say that, you know what? I accomplished this despite what people say, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And be very loud of what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. it's, it's hard. I know it's hard to celebrate ourselves, right? When there's so much, what you said, naysayers, but when there's so much negative chatter around us and we internalize it ourselves, right? But even just to talk about it in this setting, sometimes it can be a little bit daunting or uncomfortable because I, I mean, we're not accustomed to necessarily talking about ourselves in this way. So it's like, nowadays especially gen z's and millennials kind of struggle with imposter syndrome this Mm -hmm. feeling like being inadequate and that even despite accomplishments that you don't feel enough because of like social media and certain things i think it's kind of hard to there is like this competitive mentality that people are constantly feeling that they have to reach this certain level or do what this person did instead of focusing on our own individual journeys. I think that's something that I definitely learned. I think I used to be very competitive in my younger days. And now I realize I don't need to compete with anyone. The only person that I need to compete with is myself to mm-hmm. strive to be the best version of myself, to strive to help as many people as I possibly can. Cause you know, as they say on the airplane, you have to put on your own oxygen mask first before you mm-hmm. can help others. So I learned that I had to work on my healing journey before I could help others heal and be safe. Yeah, I totally agree. And the airplane example, putting oxygen on yourself first before others is so important for us to highlight because if we're not okay, how can we help others be okay or be a guide or be an example for others to be okay And also that just because we're okay right now doesn't mean tomorrow we're not. And we, it's always, we have to constantly be working at it, right? On ourselves. Definitely. So tell us, how does your app work? Can you give us an example or more than one example of how it's being used, how people use it and how people are benefiting from it? Absolutely. So before the pandemic, things were a bit different because now we have the sacrificing of in-person events, we have lockdowns that are looming, and sort of social distancing measures. And so with that in mind, before the app was kind of used more 
for when an individual would go out to events, but now it's transformed. So we have people that are using it for protests, like the Black Lives Matter movement protesters. We have individuals who are quarantining with their abusers or survivors of sexual assault who are using it. So it's really a wide breadth of users from different demographics, which we never would have really anticipated. I, I almost thought that when the pandemic hit that I wouldn't really be able to help as many people because if people aren't really going out, you know, that they should be safe at home. But I really wasn't understanding that the rates of sexual assault and domestic violence were rising in an mm-hmm. alarming rate. And, and just seeing that and knowing I've received so many messages from individuals who have used the app for that purpose, because, you know, just because we're at home doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe. And so I I wasn't really taking that into account. And so when I started seeing these messages, it was so heartwarming and of course saddening, but also Mm -hmm. there was an associated comfort knowing that I wasn't alone in the experience, which I had, and that I could help not only keep these individuals safe, but potentially share my own experience to help them feel more comfortable. And so as far as the way the app works, once the app is downloaded, you go through the tutorial process and then you enter location information and time frame. So I want to download the app. I go to my phone right, or iPad or what devices could I use? So it's currently available on an iPhone, Samsung, and an Apple Watch. We don't have it available on your computer or anything like that because the point is for it to be on your mobile device which you always carry with you because people are mostly working at home now so mm-hmm. so apple watch iphone or android yes phones, android phones yes. so then you go to either the google store or the apple store yes. and i type in i search what what's the name of your app again a squad so s-a-f-e mm-hmm. and then it's space and then s-q-u-a-d Mm-hmm. Safe Squad. Mm-hmm. Safe and Squad. I download it. It's free to it's free to download. Yes, free to download. Okay. And then any other in-app purchases or monthly subscriptions or anything? No, the app is a hundred percent free to all our users. Mm-hmm. Like That's I was saying earlier, we don't want to have to charge any individual for safety it's something that should be free so I've independently financed the app and taken you know some of my funds from college to to create this and so I would never want to charge anyone for that so the app is completely free but the way that it works is not like snapchat maps or find my friends in the fact that those apps constantly monitor you I personally believe in privacy and that you should have to compromise privacy for protection. So once you have the app downloaded on either the App Store or Google Play for mm-hmm. Android or Apple users, there's a tutorial which kind of prompts you with how like the app works. And then from that point, you're asked um, to add a location information and time frame for your event. So that event could be academic, it can be social, it can be work, it can be a date, whatever that may be. Because, you know, there's people who are still out there. For instance, like when I went to New York City, I have many friends that are still living in New York, like they take the subway. So they would put this like their commute time as the safety event. And then if and only if an emergency happens, an automatic message is sent to your five contacts with your last location and what happened to you. So do you create a profile? So you have the app. Do you have to like, you create a profile with an email or how, how does that work? What information do you have to put in? 
to start using the app? So the profile, it does ask for your email address and of course your phone number and all of that. And then you have to add those five emergency contacts because those are your squad, your hub of people. Mm-hmm. And so once you do that, let's say I have an event tomorrow. So I say I'm going somewhere tomorrow. I would then enter my location information of time frame for that event. And then I would say, let's say it's from three to four. Once it's tomorrow, I'm the day of my event. Mm-hmm. I then the time frame is passed, so it's at four o'clock at the end of that hour. You're gonna get an alarm and it's gonna ask, Do you want to snooze, add time, or dismiss? So regardless of whether I want to snooze, add time, or dismiss, I have to validate my profile with something called a color safe code, which you created the registration process, like the tutorial. Mm-hmm. So it has a four digit color code that's specific to the user. So it's not like a numeric code, which is like one, two, three, four, but this is a series of colors that with our algorithm, we created specific for each user. Okay. So then I wouldn't choose it. The app chooses it for me. You choose it, but we provide a specific sequence of colors that can't be reproduced. So your color safe code, for instance, is going to be different than my color safe code. No two are alike because of the way that we configure the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And so that's for safety reasons too, because we don't want someone to have the same code. It has to be like each person is different. Mm-hmm. Each profile is different with different events, different people are differently different lives. And so from there, basically what happens is let's say I was going to go somewhere and my phone died, hypothetically, not a huge safety related event, but my phone did die and I could potentially be in danger. So what's going to happen is it's going to say my last location and it's going to send an encrypted message to my contact stating that my phone died while I was out the last location where I was. Or for instance, pre-COVID, if I went to a party and I encountered a date rape drug, what's going to happen is it's going to send a message saying that I tried to log in with my phone and that there were inaccuracies within the touch and that I wasn't fully cognitive. It's going to send that. Or for instance, someone steals your phone, you're at the subway. It's going to say that someone tried to log in as if they were you Hmm. like in the app, that it's not your touch or it's not the approved touch of someone that you've like registered. And where are these messages from the app going to? So those are going to go to your squad, your five people. And it's going to be a direct text message. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, they do not receive those text messages. We also have them sent via email too, just to make sure that some people don't really respond in time. Some people are working. They're more likely Mm -hmm. to check email than text. So we have that sent off to your squad, both via text and via email. So I know that you intentionally created this for specific reasons of safety because of your personal experience but then now you said that other people are using it in different ways now during the pandemic I'm also wondering in terms of like safety has anybody ever used it because of maybe being undocumented and wanted to stay safe like not get picked up from I don't know like ice raids or something like that 
we have had, I mean, because of like personal privacy and protection, we like don't know the user's name, but we do know the situations which have transpired and individuals have used it for that, certainly, but like it's not necessarily a common thing. We've seen the other one mm. be more common. I mm -hmm. think that was from my understanding, looking at our like data and everything, that was more common pre-COVID than now. Mm -hmm. Individuals are commonly staying at home regardless, mm -hmm. especially in California with like lockdown. I mean, it depends, of course, in other states, but in California, especially. Hmm. Yeah, that's so like interesting. It's so great. Everything you were able to accomplish at such a young age and that you've been thinking about this for a long time and continuously doing it and not giving up because it's so easy to give up. But it's also not impossible to actually accomplish what you want what you set out to do and you're an example of that and you're on Forbes and I can say that I'm talking to you <laughs> you're a cool person on Forbes that created an app that's like literally making the world better but helping people this whole idea of like safety being a fundamental right and the fact that we're talking about it and you're created an app for it and that people are still not realizing that it should be a fundamental app and the fact that it, that it isn't is just in the most blunt way I'm going to say this is just like straight up ass backwards like I can't I, I don't know how else to say it like it's so effed up I, I feel mean, my kids in preschool we would always say like as a parent that's what I learned safety first you're in the classroom walking feet because safety first outside you have to use walking feet except when you're running around in the designated areas you can use running feet because of safety first and yeah. you know what i mean like this is something that kids are learning at such a young age we're all learning this at such a young age but how come it's not being translated into every single area of our lives right I feel like a lot of companies nowadays, as unfortunate as to say, they use safety for monetary gain. They use the idea of safety in their marketing campaigns, their logos, but it doesn't really mean safety in the sense that you and I are thinking of it. You know what I mean? They, they use safety, yeah. safety at a cost, at a cost for the user. You know, there are a lot of apps, which I'm not going to name any names just because I don't want to put other apps down, but they're funded by major corporations. And so they have the funding to do this and they have, you know, there is a tax write for them to, to give the app for free and yet they don't. And, and so for me, it's like, realize there are so many apps out there, but really I want to be more than an app. I want to be able to be a community of support, a network, a hub of people who can connect with one another, who have, you know, I mean, we used to do in-person events and now they're mostly virtual but the app is now available in 22 countries. Wow. And how many languages? So the app is only available in English, but mm. um, it's still available in those 22 countries because a lot of the countries in which yeah. it's available, they have an English-speaking demographic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, some people are able to translate it. I'm trying to make it available in other languages, but mm -hmm. that does. Again, because I'm not a major corporation and I am entirely self-funded, it does, there is a yeah. cost. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> listening to this, 
person wants to contribute to Mercedes and her amazing app that she's providing for free and can has avenues or knows people or anybody, please contact her because definitely it's not easy what she's doing, but she's providing a fundamental right to all of us for free. And there's so many ways that your app could be used. Like when I was younger and my kids were little and maybe I just had like one or two at the time, but they were still very little. My husband worked evening times. So like he worked the swing shift. So he wouldn't get home till like midnight. And a lot of the times I would be by myself out, maybe going to a specific event or to family gatherings or a preschool event or something. And like, I felt unsafe with one or two little kids with me. You know, you you seriously never know anything could happen at any time. And of course, we don't want to think that because we don't want to like manifest it. We don't want to bring that to us. But the reality is it could happen. And just doing this extra step could help so many people. So it could prevent so many things. Yeah. Especially, you know, I, I sadly see that women have to carry keys between their hands or carry maze or look behind their shoulders. And I just feel like the fact that that's the norm, it's not okay. I mean, I feel like, of course, men, you know, often have safety experiences as well. And I'm not going to discount that in any way. But I feel like, especially women of minority identity, we are the most vulnerable and the more likely to be catcalled, to be stalked, to have these instances. And I feel like there's like this kind of culture almost in that women are told not to to be out so late, not to wear certain things, not to act a certain way. And so I feel like for just for any users out there, I feel like I want them to know that we have their back. And aside from just that we have their back, that they shouldn't have to resort to such drastic measures in order to feel comfortable, go, whether they're going out, whether it's work, like, you know, no matter what the situation is, just that they should be able to go about their everyday lives and have to worry too much. Yeah, so true. And unfortunately, we live in the, where we put the responsibility and the fault to the victim. You know, what is it? And our justice system is guilty until proven innocent. And a lot of the times it's the victim that's really the one that needs to more than prove that their story is correct, right? Yeah. But anyway, that's a different topic that we could take a really long time talking about. (laughs) So I know that your app is a technological tool, but besides your app, which is already amazing, what is your favorite technological tool that you use to either that helped you to create this app or that you use on a daily basis to run it or manage it? Um, I use Amazon Web Development Services, especially for students. I feel like that is such an incredible resource because it really allows me to kind of manage like insights and data in regards to the app. I also use WordPress to manage my website and Instagram to kind of promote the app itself. So I'd say those are the three main resources that I use. And the great thing about them is they're all free. So to anyone, you know, because like I said, there's a lot of costs associated 
making an app. So when I'm able to use a free resource, I certainly take advantage of it and you know, try to make the most of those resources that are available. So those are the ones which I feel very confident about using. And I think that are useful for anyone listening that isn't just, you know, trying to make an app, like any small business owner, I feel like could use those resources to help make the most of, of what they're pursuing. Amazon Web Services is free? Yes. If you use either a student profile or a business profile. Hmm. And WordPress, is it free for students? Is that what you're saying? WordPress is free um, for students? So WordPress in itself is not free, but WordPress has a basic model, which is free. And then you can pay into other services. Hmm. So I use the basic model, which is free. And then I add stuff on myself. It's like, basically you get like a template for a website and then you like expand on it yourself. Hmm. And of course, Instagram business tools. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. I didn't realize WordPress had a free plan and that's so cool that Amazon is available for students for free that web services if you could have done something different on your journey in creating this app what would that have been I think that I wouldn't have internalized certain things that naysayers have said especially people within my own family who told me that it was an unattainable ambition and I think for a little while it kind of halted my motivation for several months. And I think that if I could have changed anything, I would have, you know, kind of consulted with that family member and told them that while I respect their opinion, that I'm going to pursue it anyways. And that, that I hope that they'll be able to see in the long run that if they can come around and be supportive, but that I'm not necessarily going to agree with them on that particular topic. And so I think before I really took it to heart what that person had to say. And now in retrospect, looking back at it, I see that that family member who said that, said that because they had an experience in which they tried to create something and it didn't necessarily turn out to be what they had thought. Mm -hmm. And so I think just realizing to value people's experience and to value their insights, but that you don't necessarily have to agree with everything everyone has to say, even if they are your own family. Take what serves you and leaves what doesn't. Exactly. Yeah, that's something that it sounds so simple, but it's so hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had a great support network from my mother to my father to my aunt to cousins, to many relatives. I think this person in particular, I was just close with. So it sort of um, took me a bit off guard. But I think, you know, for anyone who's trying to pursue something, if you're able to have a network of support, don't be afraid to lean on certain people and to, to share your ideas with them. I think that it's pretty important. I think oftentimes we kind of have this perception that, oh, I'm going to be a girl boss and I'm going to take it all on myself. But I think at the end of the day, you're one person and it's kind of hard to do that. So I think it's to also not be afraid to share with others. Yeah, that's so true is that we're like, oh, I want to be like that, you know, person running this company. But when we really take a look at their story or their life is that they're not doing it all on their own and they never did. And they did it with through a lot of trial and error also. So can you share some advice for anyone with a very specific 
business or project idea or app idea or organization idea because <laughs> yours is very specific and then it turned out to help way more people than what you had intended to I would say for anyone starting out to recognize that it's not just about the destination that it's about the journey and you know to, to don't kind of minimize the hardships that you're going to go through but instead try to celebrate them because I think without adversity there wouldn't be success or they wouldn't be room to grow and I would say that you know when you're starting out just create a plan do your research don't be afraid to kind of put in the effort and when you do put in the effort to recognize even if you know like I was saying even if family members even if society and certain people aren't able to recognize the effort that you're doing for yourself and know and trust that there will be a return later whether the return, you know, it is actually you creating the business, whether the return is you collaborating with someone else, whatever that may be, and whatever you're seeking, I think um, to have a goal and to keep it in mind and to put in the time. I think like we have this picture in our heads that like success is just a straight line and that mm -hmm. it's but really it's like the iceberg effect, right? We're only seeing what's on top, but not really seeing what's on the bottom that like is how we got there. So I think just kind of recognizing that and taking time for it. Yeah, that is so true that things are not linear, especially when starting a business or a project or something or an app. And that's so interesting that you brought the iceberg effect. I remember like, I remember seeing it somewhere, the picture, so I could see it clearly that like, you see someone working on something and you're only focusing on the top, what's above the water, but then there's all this stuff that happened underneath the water that they've been working on and building the whole time, which is kind of like what we said, what you said earlier is that um, you want to be a girl boss and you want to do everything on your own, but you really like you can't you need to work on all, all the other stuff and help and you, a support from other people is really important asking for help getting strategic partners or collaborations can you walk us through the steps of creating an app like if someone wants to create an app what are the most important steps that they need to take because you learn how to code on your own and if someone's not going to do that, then like, what are the things that they need? What's the formula? <laughs> what are the things they need to gather the tools to create an app? In my experience, first it was getting the idea, creating mm -hmm. a name, mm -hmm. creating a comprehensive business plan with cost and analysis, and then creating the design, like the functionality, figuring out what that would look like. And it was a lot of trial and error. So figuring out different color scheme, figuring out different configurations, settings, coding. Where is this design taking place? So like we're seeing, like I actually started out with a legal pad and a Sharpie. So uh -huh. I actually wrote out what the idea was for the app, mm. drew like sketches down, did all that. As far as the design aspect, that's like all online with different accounts. Like I was saying, AWS, I use Twilio, like a bunch of different online platforms, like with encrypted data and stuff like that, and multiple coding languages, so Java and Python. So I think for people who want to create an app, 
I think have an understanding of what it is you want to do, have a business plan, either, you know, have a designer or design it yourself. In my case, I designed like the actual content myself. And I think, you know, as far as like marketing and things like that goes, use your resources, use Instagram, reach out to people, kind of tell them what it is you're seeking to do and try to share it with your network or people. You make it sound like so easy. Then to me, it's like, and, and okay, it's not oh. that you make it like easy. I understand that there are a lot of things that you had to do. So it's not that it was easy, but it also wasn't impossible. Like you did it, right? Like you went and you found the tools, the resources, the, the, the support, the people, the materials, everything to make it happen. And for me, I can envision creating a business and like, boom, in my head, I know what I need to do, go get it. But like, then I think about, oh, let me go create an app. And my mind is like, oh my God, oh my God, emergency 911. I don't know what's going on, going on and it's crazy. So it's like this blog that like I have, but it's the same process of building a business is building an app. It is, you know, right now my friend is creating a jewelry business and she's like, can you give me advice? And it's the exact same model as what I'm doing. Of course, it's an, I mean, I created an app and she's creating a jewelry business, but in terms of marketing, legal documents and that sort of thing, it's, it's pretty much the same. So I've been able to kind of help her on that journey as well. And I think as far as what you're saying, that it can be a bit daunting. I make it sound so simple, but it actually took a year to create. I took a whole year just working and refining and trying hard to get you know what I want I did market research studies so I would take talk to my peers and say okay like which color options do you prefer which design do you prefer which logo do you prefer do you know what I mean so I had to create like people just see that there's this one color scheme on the app right there's this one logo but it never just started out with one logo like at one point we were looking at options which were pink we were looking at one person instead of having three people on our logo with the word safe squad different colors different logo altogether it didn't have people different names like for instance the original name was not safe squad and the original app idea was having a walk like a person help walk you uh, to assist you so like if i'm on university like campus the idea was that a person would come and help me if I need to feel safe, like someone would walk with me to like my door or something, which at the time at 13, it made sense to me and it was so realistic, but that totally transitioned. Like that is not the way the app is today. Like the app is not pink, the app is not. So I think, you know, there is this conception that it's so easy, but really I think like any business, like whether it be a jewelry business, right? you're going to try different logos, you're going to try different techniques. And it's also you have to separate your own personal desires, your own personal interests from that of the user, right? Because at the time, like, I may have had a perception of like what I liked. But then when I actually did the market studies, I found that our users didn't necessarily have the same interest in design as I did. You know, while you were talking and explaining this, I it made me think of my daughter who's almost 13 and she does have a phone and we got her a phone last year in sixth grade. And the main reason why I wanted her to have a phone was so that way I could track her location. <laughs> 
and I and now I'm gonna get off this recording and I'm gonna go download the app on my phone and on her phone and tell everybody in this house to download the app so that way we can all be each other's safe squad and even though right now during the pandemic the the distance learning you know she's not going out we're not really going out but as long as we have it now and if opportunity comes up or when when because there's always going to be opportunity events that happen where we go out at least it'll be there for her so I really do appreciate you creating this app more than anything I'm gonna get emotional right now (laughs) more than anything I'm so happy that you created this for yourself I'm feel so so sad that this happened to you but at the same time, I feel such an overwhelming sense of gratitude and appreciation. I don't know. I feel like I like feel bad, but I also feel good that like something good, really, really good came out of this. And that if that would have never happened to you, then maybe we wouldn't have this. But it feels so twisted for me to even like say this or think about this, but that's how messed up these situations are. Or I think about that a lot too. I think if it wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. And you know, as far as like healing goes, I've thought about it and just, I think everything happens for a reason. And it, it was something I never would have wanted to have transpired, but I think I feel like I made lemonade out of lemons, you know, I think it was not something that, but if I can anyway share my experience or help others, I think it's so important. And I think it's been really helpful in my healing journey. I've gotten to meet so many people who confided in me because of this. And I think, I don't know, I I completely understand what you're saying. And I agree 100%. Because, you know, I if I hadn't had this experience, the app wouldn't be there. But I think just knowing that, you know, when one door closes, that another opens. And that is a chapter in my life, which has helped strengthen my character. Yeah. So I appreciate your journey, your healing, your, your power in creating this and your everything. I appreciate it so much because now I can say like, oh, I have this app that I can share with my daughter and then my younger daughter when she gets a phone. And unfortunately, we do need this as women, as Latinas, as women of color, minority groups, whatever it is, whoever wants to label it, whatever words anybody wants to use it. Unfortunately, women who are not white are more prone to predatory situations. And that's the reality. And it's all because of the white supremacy-based institutions and social whatever that we live in. I can't even talk right now. But I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story. I am more than grateful for you doing whatever it takes and waiting until you're 18 and, and to creating this app. And I really hope everybody downloads it and uses it because it's so necessary to us, to our culture, to our communities. And anybody listening, please go tell your 
moms, daughters, sisters, cousins, you're yourself, your brothers, your anybody, <laughs> please, boyfriends, girlfriends, everybody. Let's I just all become each other's safe squad, right? <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your platform, you know, just being able to share and potentially, you know, if, if anyone out there listening is able to use this and feel safe, that's, thank you so much for allowing me to, to be able to talk with you and hold this discussion. I think that it's so empowering to be able to not only share about the app, but my own experience with someone who has this amazing podcast that is allowing, um, you know, Aww individuals like myself to speak on that it's been it's really important so thank you and I just looked at my notes I do have one more question (laughs) it's one of my favorite questions (laughs) if you had no constraints would you start another business or create another app or I would I actually have several ideas I would love to like either create a parent app to coincide with the app itself or I would like to make new updates within Safe Squad. Of course, it's all if there was no constraints. And I also have a few other business ideas out there to create some films in terms of like my own experience with this. Mm. I just feel like I haven't really seen many survivor stories in the media. I mean, I've seen them, of course, like written about in magazines, but I don't think there's so many Me Too films that are out there. So I have many ideas on that. I think if there weren't constraints, that would be something that I would love to focus on. Well, that's so great. And you know what? You're going to get it all done because eventually you'll find a way to not have constraints because that's what you did with yeah. the Safe Squad app. So it will happen. Definitely. I think it's just about setting aside the time. But the great thing is now in the midst of the pandemic, we all have a little bit more time on our hands being at home. So yeah, we all realized how much commuting was not essential. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now now there is no commute. Everything is just virtual. So it's a bit convenient, but also, you know, we all miss socialization. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was a pleasure meeting you and just getting to speak with you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing your story. And so people can find your app on Google Play and the Apple Store. But how could they stay in contact? Like, do you have a website? You said you're on Instagram. What other social media platforms are you on? So Instagram, our handle is safe. So S-A-F-E, then squad, S-Q-U-A-D. And then it's underscore app. And then for our website, it's just safesquadmobileapp.com. And for personal contact inquiries, and if anyone wants to reach out to me, there is a contact info section where you can leave a message, your first and last name, and then it gets sent directly to my email. Great. And then also people, please remember to share this app with people in other countries as well, because it's available in 22 countries. That's so amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And I can't wait for other people to hear this story. Thank you for listening to Epiphiana Presents Relate and Elevate. You can find us anywhere as Epiphiana Mag. That is E-P-I-F-A-N-I-M-A-G. And we can't wait to see you out there on the internet. Have yourself a wonderful day. Bye.